0: It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year... 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support.
1: I think, you know, us as adults, we care a little bit too much about what other people think, and, you know, if I take this sign to the game, you know, what is another adult going to think of me? Kids don't seem to have that sort of care that adults do about what they do.
0: In this episode... We're talking to die-hard UC Caps fans Emma Groves and Brent Ford about their amazing creative signs and the fantastic fan art community that hypes our WNBL players. It goes without saying, players that inspire us feed our creativity and a wonderful connection between players and fans often emerges. We love their passion and commitment to reminding us that you're never too old to unleash your creativity. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Today, it's a very special episode. We've got a couple of fan art experts up from Canberra, and that is Brent Ford and Emma Groves. And not only is that part of this show, but as you're listening to this, the World Cup qualifiers have started, and it's also Jacinta's birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Jacinta.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for reminding me that it's my birthday because... Uh, It's just kind of crept up and I think I'll only be reminded again tomorrow morning when my mum sends me a text.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so guys, um, before we get into it, just a couple of questions to introduce you to our audience and I'm going to start with you first, Emma. You've come up with some really amazing fan art for the Caps and you also just did a tweet recently where you showed where you kind of started from and where you've got to. My question is, how did you, first of all, get involved with like following the caps as a fan?
3: Well, first of all, um, Paul, can I say that I'm thrilled that you call it fan art because I was calling it just hype signs, but fan art does sound a lot more professional, I think, <laughs> and I have already add artists to my CV, which is nice, but I guess it was a, a few years ago that Brent and I became friends. We actually met through AFL, so we're both um, I guess, into AFL, we were playing this charity footy match. And then we both realised that we had this other love for multiple sports, but particularly basketball. And I'd done, I work for Win News Canberra, and I'm the backup sports journo when our sports journal extraordinaire, Caitlin Chalmers, is away. And I'd done a couple interviews with Griff, uh, Kelsey Griffin, and got around her and the, the Caps at that stage were going for their first premiership in, or championship in a while. A while, And it was really easy for us to get around it and we started going to a bunch of games and made, I guess, they would be our first signs <laughs> <laughs> just for that championship game. And, yeah, and then I suppose it's been um, a, a journey after that. We still both play footy but um, uh, for different teams, different clubs and, yeah, the Cap's journey has continued and I think there's just something different about this season and we followed them for the first two championships that back-to-back back and then, um, yeah, this season, I don't know, there was just something about it that was a little bit, I guess,
2: felt different for us. What, are what was the ones? first sign that you made? The very
3: first one was... The one that said, feed the Griff, which was back in 20... It was three years ago, exactly, because I got a Facebook reminder about it. Yes,
1: 2019. It was the grand final against Adelaide. And basically, the whole idea was like the whole season, it was just like just talking about Kelsey Griffin and her inside work. So it was just like every time the ball seemed to go to Kelsey in the paint, she was just scoring. And so Grovesy just came up with this thing. It was just like feed the Griff because every time it was going inside, she was scoring. And I sort of had this, like, love for, for Keely Frolling, just the way that she sort of played the game. And it was something that Goz was sort of talking about sort of mid-season, just saying, you know, the way she hustles, everything. I'm not really um, athletic in the, in that sense uh, in terms of, like, hustle, et cetera. So I came up with a sign that was, like, I wish I had Keely Frolling's hustle. Um,
3: and can I – say that that sign it's always um I guess a point of contention for me that yeah I invited him over to my place to finalize our signs and obviously I took a lot of pride in my like stenciled out the letters with the pencil first and I said I've brought a pencil and an eraser for you and he's like no I'm just going in with the texter and you can see in this one which is on Twitter <laughs> that he runs out of room for the Ling in Froling <laughs> and just trails off with it's like oh, I wish I had uh Keeley Froling
2: yeah <laughs>
1: The G and the S is small, but I think I like attacked it like the Frolling family. You sort of just go in yeah. first and then think about it later. Yeah,
3: yeah. And they were really good. And then after they won, they had that kind of meet the players. And so we went and got photos with them and they loved the signs. And I think that one, yeah, that was our first sign and we didn't really make any after that.
1: No, we just let it them- took a high <laughs> <anus>. <laughs> The,
2: the
1: hub legend season. was born though. Yeah.
2: Oh, the hub season would have stalled your opportunity to keep the creativity going.
3: Absolutely. And I think also, I mean, for me, it was for, with the bun signs, it was a bit of a, a perfect um, meshing of like I had started, you know how during the pandemic a lot of people did the sourdough starters or did TikTok dances. And for me, I just bought a whole bunch of textures and paints and got very into just drawing and painting and stuff like that. So I already had all these supplies when, when kind of inspiration struck with the bun signs. So that worked out really nicely for me.
0: Look, i got to say, I really love the bunt signs. It's a great illustration of, you know, fan engagement with the game, supporting the players, and it's really something really concrete that, you know, the the players can even see. And they're like, there's obvious support for us. I mean, look, it's Canberra, and you guys have such a great support for the team. The few times we've been down there to watch Caps games, the crowd just goes off. But it kind of elevates it, but... More importantly, from my point of view, it's a great way of saying there's this emotionally connected audience that really wants to support their teams in whatever way they can. And, you know, the, the first one that you came up with, which was... the first, uh, It's one, um,
3: it's Bunton Season. Yeah. With Elma Fudd. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. That was really cool. And, you know, it's it's the play on the humour and it's really great. And the latest one that you put up was just, Fantastic. I mean, it's it's one of my favourite movies. So I saw that, and I've just gone, "Oh yeah, that is that just absolutely rocks."
3: Thank you so much. I did make it, and then I realised after which I tweeted was like, "I hope she's seen the movie. Otherwise, this is going to be really awkward." But <laughs> she had and she got the reference, which was good. But the way it came about with Bunts was that I did a story for News Canberra, a news story about this AIS study about mums or expected mums of pregnant women returning to sport and competitive sport as elite sportswomen after pregnancy or having a baby. And and there was something about Bunce in that interview that I guess resonated with me. I'm not a mum, but it was, I don't know, she's just, it's a lot of things that she had that I guess I found really inspirational. When I, and during the pandemic, it was something that I found easy to, I guess, maybe I was looking for something to be inspired by or motivated by and The more I got to know her, we started talking on Instagram after that story, and the more I got to know her, the more I admired who she was beyond this phenomenal athlete. Like, you know, I think she's, like, almost 200 centimetres tall. She's pretty bloody tall. But, you know, beyond this incredible athlete who gets the rebounds, you know, top scorer, played for the Opals, like, you know, played for Tuggeranong when she was a kid, and then, you know, 11 knee surgeries, this commitment to being an incredible mum, which I think a lot of people know, but the more I got to know her, I was like she had this courage to trust that there was more out there for her and that she was stronger than whatever hardships or, you know, whether it was injuries or or personal stuff, whatever was trying to break her, she was going to be stronger and braver than that. And I just, I think that too often and it kind of leads back to the hype zones that the idea of having someone to look up to or to, to have a hero or to have a role model is often consigned to childhood. And, you know, you, I guess you grow out of it and, or when you get older, you don't really have, you know, it's not as, I guess, accepted. But I think somebody like Bunce who's had this incredible comeback whether you're 8 or 18 or 28 or 88, I don't know if she has any 88-year-old fans, but, you know, it's something that she can be a great sportswoman, but then has this power to light a spark inside of others and make you want to be braver and stronger and do more for yourself and yeah, just be better, which I think is incredible. And even if she, you know, wasn't a great sportswoman or, or didn't get 21 points last game of 13 rebounds and stuff, I still think she has this, just this incredible yeah, power and light within her that, that I
1: really like. I think it's a fairy tale as well because it's kind of like at the start of the season we're sort of looking at the roster moves that the Caps were making and there was sort of the big talking point was who was going to play the centre position. You know, Michaela Roof has sort of filled it admirably but it, it was sort of like how are you going to compete with the the Kayla Georges, those sort of, I guess, players across the league. And so when Bunce was signed it was sort of like, you know, she spent that time out of the game. Will she be able to come back and be able to be the player? And I think the way that Goz sort of set it up early on in the season was that there wasn't going to be expectation on her. It was just going to be, you know, you come back, you sort of work yourself into the touch. You know, I think they spent sort of six weeks sort of allowing her to sort of find her touch. I think that's been the best thing about this story is that when there was no expectation, then she sort of comes out, you know, last time against the Southside Flyers, of course, they don't have Abby Bishop, so you're sort of expecting that they're going to utilise uh, her as a tall player. She comes out, she top scores, she gets that double-double. Like but she's still
3: so humble, which is something else that I love because it's something as I like to joke, but kind of seriously, that I'm a local celebrity <laughs> being on <laughs> Win, and so I don't have any humility. So <laughs> it's something that I think I like to say that she can teach me um, She's just so humble. Like I said to her after the game, I was like, oh, top score, I got the double double. And she was just like, Yeah, I'm just like I'm just happy to play my role. I'm just happy to be here and get as many minutes as I want.
2: She was just like a Disney princess. She's
3: you just love her.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's so good you said Disney princess, because in the episode we did with her, the question was, you know, who would you be uh, in a movie or who would play you and Disney princesses came up. So she's gonna love that reference, that you recognise that strength in her of Disney princess. Um, But the thing with her story that you were talking about too, like again when we did our episode with her a little while ago, um, the thing that resonated with me the most is that she spent time away from basketball to find her identity when she wasn't at basketball. Like who are you as a person when you're not a basketball player, when your basketball is not in your life? And I feel like that experience has really shaped her off the court and that she's been able to transfer that maturity on the court as well. Absolutely, and that she doesn't even try.
3: She's not trying to be something that inspires people or that motivates. She's just being her and she's happy with, she has this really like stress-free kind of, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, whereas for me I'm kind of what doesn't kill me gives me very unhealthy coping mechanisms and a dark sense of humour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think it's important as well, like the talk about identity. Like I sort of first met Bunce when we were like in year 11 at Lake Ginandera. You sort of got, you know, they come in in their centre of excellence, athletes that are, all you sort of know them as are, are basketballers. You know, she's in the same classes as Darcy Garbin and, and Sarah Blixarves and those sort of people going to school. Tessa Levy as well was in the, in the class as well. And all you ever know them as is they're the basketballers. You know, Hugh Greenwood was at our college as well. He sort of shifted over to the AFL side. But every time they'd come off this bus from the AIS and you'd only know them as basketball players. But then as you got to know them, they're like, just great humans and I think it's like really nice to see Bunce sort of find that time away I mean she's an amazing mum to Opal May as well so it's just nice to see her sort of finding that spot in her life
0: yeah I mean I got to meet Bunce I think I don't know if you knew Bunce before Jacinta but I got to meet Bunce at when she was at the Flames We used to do all the live streaming for the Flames and I know she jumped on and did some commentary during period where she was injured. And I always found that she was, there was something a little bit different to her in comparison to some of the other players. I could never quite put my finger on it. You know, it was really, it was a really interesting thing to see and also see how she's moved on since particularly that injury. That was really gutting when it happened to her and that whole thing. And when she sort of said, okay, that's it, my career's over. I think the great thing, sort of the fan art that you've been putting together in particularly this season is that it's showing her that there's people who do support. And I think that's something that they know it in the back of their head. It's never something that's kind of like that overt. You know, unfortunately, it's not something that you see very often um, at WNBL games. You know, everybody's there, everybody's cheering, but fan art like what you guys are doing just doesn't seem to be a thing, even though you get things like you'll see murals on walls, you'll see, you know, the link between basketball and fashion with shoes or, and clothing. But this stuff, which is more personal, I, I, for whatever reason, the fan base here in Australia doesn't seem to have embraced it as much.
3: Which I think I absolutely agree, point. I think that's a bit disappointing because the league itself, and particularly from our experience, the Caps have done such a great job of making the players more approachable because you, you know, you can often put them up on a pedestal and we particularly did some other sports, but they've got, you know, often after some of the games they've got like a meet the player thing. And I found um I just had that, you know, awesome opportunity through interviewing her for the win news story, but just more approachable, I guess. And I think that helps with that sense of belonging and, you know, being invested in that success, whether she, whether she wins or loses or, you know, gets no minutes or starts on the bench, although I did have that, Um, meme where if she did start on the bench I am always devastated but I think I loved the idea of her even if she didn't just the idea that she could look up at something in the crowd if she's feeling low or if she was even feeling on top of her game and see her name in, in some way and kind of get a lift and yeah that was I guess it was only supposed to be one sign as well like I texted her I think it was a list of five original ideas initially before the first game and I said i make you one, like pick one of these and then whatever one you decide would be a surprise. And it's Bunton season actually came after that. She actually liked the, bear the brunt of Bunt first. And then I had another few that were like, don't mess with Bunts. Um, I'd leave my boyfriend for Alex Bunton and the people behind <laughs> me can't see, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was funny, but not exactly a hype sign. But yeah, so she liked that initial one. And then I got that, yeah, that idea to kind of do the play on things with, um, with Elma Fudd and then I ended up making the she was she kind of joked in a presser about wanting one a week and I was like oh they're doing so well you just got to get behind them and I was like all right I've got some free time I could do it so now yeah the Jaws one I, I liked because it was um I saw this you know that quote that's like live every week like it's shark week and I really liked that play on sharks and then bunts being like this comeback kid like rising from the deep and nobody kind of thinking oh you know we've got to be threatened and I'm like no no let's you know well, she's get a, out of the
1: water get out of the paint <laughs> she's the apex predator on the court that's yeah. the basis of it I mean you look at the way I, I think it was Whittle Harmon and like just the way she shook her uh the other night was just incredible but uh just going back to that like original point on you don't see the signs as much I think it's sometimes it's embarrassment I think you know us as Adults, we care a little bit too much about what other people think and, you know, if I take this sign to the game, you know, what is another adult going to think of me? Kids don't seem to have that sort of care that adults do about what they do. Um, There was, like, some great signs sort of just out there. Like, you know, they made something about Kelsey Griffin, so it was like Ms. Kelsey Griffin, like rocks and stuff like that. So, you know, I think if we as adults just stop caring a little bit more about what other people think... And you know we're doing it because we enjoy the game. You know, followed the. Yeah, I think we're ever.
3: definitely the oldest uh, sign holders, yes. <laughs> but I would argue the most artistic and creative.
2: <laughs> I totally agree, Brent, with your with that point. Because while you were talking about before, like how the signs came about, and you know, like the thought in my head was like, it takes guts to hold a sign. Like it's just yeah, a sign, yeah. but. You guys were talking about, you know, how much is a vehicle to show support for your home team and a player and a player, someone like Bunce who has come back from, uh, you know, retirement or the depths of the ocean using your Jaws metaphor. Um, Or even someone like a Jade Melbourne sign, you know, a real up and comer who turned down a college contract, has come straight out of the COE and is now making Canberra her home. Something as small as a sign can be like really important for a player or you know just to know they've got that support but as adults kids get away with anything really yeah. you're a kid yes. you can get away with so much more stuff when you're an adult it's just we're so unkind to each other where we just judge each other so like oh they've got a sign oh my god it's like exactly you the other side is it's like who cares they're supporting the same team like just exactly. and I
3: actually had this fear before the last game because I the jaws bunts actually took a little bit longer than I had planned for and I remember actually I'd, I went to the pub last Friday just before um obviously the game was on Saturday and I'd gone to the pub with a bunch of my friends and housemates and I went home and um, I kind of smoke bombed out everyone else was kicking on I remember one of my housemates came home and like knocked on my door and she was like oh you know you left is everything okay I was like yeah yeah I've just I've got to finish this sign and and she kind of (laughs) stopped and looked at me and she was like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm fine and then like shut the door and I looked in the mirror and I was like wild eyed my hair was all askew. I had like (laughs) my t-shirt was on back to front I had like a smear of blue paint on my face like a monster ultra can on the bed like it's definitely changed who I am as a person I think But yeah, so it was even like
1: the idea, because this is the first Caps game I've been to in like 18 months at a live venue. So Grovesy was kind of like, we have to make signs. And I was like, well, I'm not going to repeat the the frolling hustle embarrassment. I'm actually going to digitally print this up. So the idea of, you know, Jade Canberra basically and cross out Melbourne. Anyway, I meet Grovesy in the car park and I was like okay here's my sign <laughs> she's like that's great she turns her sign around and I just about had a heart attack I couldn't believe it and I was like did you draw that did you like get digitally printed uh, like yeah,
3: and the thing is like I am um, my graphic design experience extends to paint and Microsoft Word so I do a lot of this by hand and with like acrylic paint so <laughs> incredible <laughs> I was like oh god I've done too much <laughs> but the funny thing was like because I've been to every of all of the home games and over the games like the people around me in like the immediate vicinity like the they get ever, around like, it yeah and they're like I think they played like the Jaws derner Yes. Dinner, dinner. And they were like, it's your sewing, it's helping guns, she's lifting. And I didn't want to be like, uh, yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's not that. She's just good. <laughs> but that's also because you see caps have the best fans in the WNBL. Absolutely. I might be a bit biased, but
3: no, I'm going to put it out there. I think that's, it's based on science. I think studies have been done. <laughs> I
1: think, <laughs> back though, like, you think it's funny, like I, I've sort of been blessed because like growing up and playing AFL, my exposure to the Caps was through sort of Linda Muir who was like an ex-Capitals player, used to play like when they first came around and she sort of talks about they didn't have any success in the early days. And then it sort of turned around as, you know, just it just became this machine. It was kind of like, you know, you'd go to watch Raiders and Brumbies during the winter. And then the Caps, they own the town and the city in the summer. They are the biggest ticket. And I think back to, you know, a couple of years ago when they won that championship. It was the last game to be played at the AIS before you could do it. And I... I just think, you know, it was also like the last game before I think live sort of sport in the city wasn't allowed because of COVID. And I go back to like Kea Nurse hitting that shot and just I've never been in an event and there's a picture of me behind sort of Kea Nurse with the hands on the head just freaking out. And I think, you know, <laughs> what if, what has this done to me as a person? You know, I get like heart rate spikes when they're playing and I think, you know, anyone who watches it, and loves their WNBL, sort of understands that emotion. Uh, it's just great.
3: I think this team as well, I, I think I said it to Bunce early on, that we the season kind of started in, um, just after we came out of lockdown. And it was really nice for Canberra to have something to get behind and to cheer for. Look and forward to Yeah, yeah. And whether it was, you know, obviously for me it's Bunce and for you it's Jade, but for whoever, the team as a whole, even if you don't have a favourite player, just to get behind that, Team and get involved, and the, obviously the you know Joe's fantastic on the mic, and yeah, I I agree. Justine, we really do have the best fans.
0: Yeah, and I'm probably going to get myself into trouble for saying this, but there is a very dedicated Flames fan uh, guy by the name of Ron Young, and a big shout out to Ron.
2: Yeah, yes. Ron Young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: And whenever I get a chance to talk to him, he's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm heading down to see the Caps play," and that's the sort of passion that is. I think unique to the WNBL because, you know, I've been around rugby, not a big league fan, but, you know, I've been to a few games, the level of passion, someone who's willing to travel, you know, 300 kilometres to go and watch a game.
1: Yeah, Ron's, Ron's huge too. Like I, I sort of started posting about a WNBL back on Twitter and he was like one of the first people that followed me up. And, you know, the last three years we sort of throw these conversations back and forth, like even today, he sort of messaged me and I hadn't seen it. And it was about, you know, the Perth Lynx ambitions mm. to go back and be able to play in front of the Red Army back in Perth. Like, you know, that's sort of the, the type of person that Ron is. And he makes up these charts that he gives me because he knows that I'm a bit of a stats nerd. He puts in like all the stats. He's got an efficiency board of, I think, Emily Maley is like miles ahead of anyone at the moment. So if you <laughs> you're picking your MVP, she's probably miles ahead. But, yeah it's just the type of guy that he is and he even messaged me the other day when lauren nicholson was out and he sort of goes you know when it rains it pours like this is the type of guy and then when they were they were nearly beating the the Southside flyers he couldn't believe himself but yeah he's just one of those guys and a great character of the league
0: absolutely and, and i think this is the sort of stuff that I think the ability to be able to put together fan art and be able to engage with the fans, the stuff that's really important and it's really important for the league because I I think one of the things that's happened with the hub season and this sort of COVID impacted season is in part we've lost that connection that you get with the players, you know, that meet and greet at the end of the game. Kayla said it in, in our podcast with her. She misses that ability to be able to talk to the fans.
3: Well, We actually, after the last one, because I try and get a photo with Bunce after, <laughs> like this very tall fan that's walking up amongst these very small children. I'm like, oh, wait, I need to get my photo with Bunce. Which <laughs> he was kind of like, uh, like a few small children had gone up and been like, oh, Bunce, can... like well, I think one of them asked for a hug, and Bunce was kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sweaty. But the adults were all kind of like, oh, the, the bubble, the COVID protocols are, uh, and then when she, like, came forward for a photo and I was like, are we allowed to touch each other? <laughs> I don't want to, you know, because it's still very much the masks inside and, yep. and um, you know, this idea of, you know, following the rules but still – You want to, like, I was just so happy for her because I knew she'd got top scorer. I think I gave Brent, like, I feel bad that it kind of gave him bruises on his hands because when she was on 19 points, I was like, she's got to be the top scorer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's even like the hub season sort of really stilted momentum in the fact that it was was only like a six-week season. It was so condensed and we're so used to the WNBL season, you know, going for that sort of twenty one games is sort of looking to go from sort of even like late November into early autumn and for it to be over in the way that it was, I was kinda of like, wow, it's it's done. It's done. And I think having imports coming back, uh, Brit Sykes yeah, in particular here good. in Canberra is just sort of brought another element. And to see like our Aussies go up against sort of like the best imports that come in. I think it's just added another element to the league, which is great.
0: I'm curious, from your point of view as fans, we had a hub season last season where we had no imports. This season, we got imports. For me, it was interesting. And I, I get torn because no imports meant more locals got an opportunity to play. But when you bring the imports in, it helps raise the whole level of competition. From your point of view, guys, for the Caps, how do you feel about that?
1: I think it's a good thing for the league. I think, you know, we can sort of talk about, you know, the Aussies and and, and getting the opportunity. I think, you know, if you're good enough, you're going to get that opportunity anyway. I think back to the sort of Capitals team that we had sort of a little while ago, you know, you sort of had Olivia Rapuper and Kia Nurse in the backcourt, you know, they're sort of like superstars of the game, one sort of dominating over in Europe and the others just sort of done their ACL and, and is out for a little while, but it was still giving opportunities like Lily Scanlon was still able to get opportunities in that team. Gemma Potter sort of flourished in her sort of junior years as well. I can understand though, like the frustration, but I think even even now, like I look at Sydney, I look at someone like Panda Nakasoglu who should be getting more minutes at the moment. And I don't know why she isn't because I mean, they don't really have a lot of imports. I think if you are going to, to get minutes, you are. Look at Steph Reid and, and her sort of journey throughout the league. And now she's you know, being touted as one of the defensive players of the year despite coming off the bench and doing what she does for Townsville. So I think if you are good enough, you are going to get opportunities in the league.
2: And I think as well, like, it was great in the hub season to give all of the local players who would normally be 10th, 11th, 12th player, like, on the bench a lot more playing time. Like, someone that sticks in my mind is Taya Burrows who played for the Lynx. She played heaps of minutes in the hub season. Um, but the other advantage for me of having imports is that it means those players get to play and train against people from the WNBA and from the Euro League. So that in itself, in terms of getting their experience and being challenged by them day after day, is going to also improve our local talent as well because they're being challenged so much. And seeing the recent Flames game where Kate Diebel, fresh out of COE as well, uh, yeah. getting ready to go to Wake Forest, she was guarding Shug Sutton. like, And I don't think in her wildest dreams as a junior would she be like, yeah, I'm going to play WNBL and guard someone who consistently plays in the WNBA. Like that opportunity is like once in a lifetime, I reckon.
3: And absolute bragging rights because I know Britt Sykes was like one of the only draft picks for the um, Syracuse Orange women, number one draft pick. And, you know, a couple of those players have shut her down, you know, when she comes up against them. So, yeah, I think more power to them.
1: But I think as well you get to see sort of like the competition, like Rebecca Cole being one of the best you know, offensive guards in the league goes up against Britt Sykes and it becomes like this huge challenge against one another. And you're talking about, you know, Shug Sutton, those sort of players coming in. Monique Billings just putting on a clinic the other night as well. You don't get those players coming in. I think, you know, it was great to see just the way that sort of like has changed, you know, like Mabry as well, sort of changing the game with the way that she's able to shoot the three ball. It sort of makes uh, the games a a little bit different. You have to think because each team has sort of gone a little bit different in the way that they have recruited. Melbourne sort of got their all-stars, you know, Lindsay Allen, Tiff Mitchell as their guards, where some they've gone the, the big. So it's been interesting to see how teams have sort of attacked it.
0: You know, it, it's interesting getting that sort of feedback because, you know, there are people that I've spoken to who say, oh, it, it would be, it's great to give the opportunity to the local players. And I, I really, I do see the point. But like Jacinta said, the opportunity for our local players to be able to play against, you know, the best in the world helps to raise the overall level of the competition. And, I think some of the younger players, and I'm going to pick Jade Melbourne, for example, she's come on, she's a great player to start with, but the ability to be able to play against all the imports that we're getting into the WNBL this season, I think has helped to raise her game even further. And I think also coming back to the whole thing of the fan engagement, having that sort of level of competition helps keep our fans engaged. And they, they kind of have this emotional connection, not only to the locals who are getting that sort of experience, but then they also build a great connection with the imports. I know that back when the Flames won the championship, talking to a lot of the fans, they had a great emotional connection with the imports, and particularly Asia Taylor. But this is the sort of stuff that I wish the league would try and capitalise on.
1: Oh, Absolutely. I think, you know, for me to be able to, a couple of years ago, you know, watch someone the calibre of of Kia Nurse and and to be able to watch Olivia Pooper nearly put up triple doubles. But going up against, you know, the likes of Steph Talbot and and those sort of players in, in grand finals was just incredible. I don't think, you know, sometimes we market our imports enough. It's sort of, it's sometimes big here. Like I know when Britt Sykes was sort of announced here, we're sort of all excited because, you know, it's like a, it's a first round draft pick coming from the WNBA. I know there's still very fond memories of, of the imports that have sort of come and, and played here in Canberra. I don't know whether... That same fondness is is sort of across the league. But, yeah, I mean, Townsville's a, a really interesting one because they do have the real passionate fans with the Cowbell, et cetera, and it's sort of like a real interesting environment going and, and, and watching a game there. But, yeah, it's great to see them back up and about.
2: And uh, Townsville being a fan-owned club as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, yeah. if the Caps
3: were to go that way, obviously, I would be the you know, number yeah.
0: one Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah look, i got to admit, when they said we're community-owned, I was like, sorry, you're, you're what? They said, Ooh. yeah, we're community-owned. And, like, and I'd never really put that connection together. And I was like, that's great. And to your point about the fan engagement and the cowbell, that cowbell is not just up in Townsville. It's I, yeah, it's everywhere. The number of times we were, uh, you know, at Sydney when we were doing the live streams and that cowbell would go off.
1: It's it's amazing. It's amazing too. And you think like they've also got like such a an interesting roster when you consider, you know, what they've been able to do as well. You know, Shug Sutton, Monique Billings, but also the Australians, Loz Nicholson, et cetera. So I think they're a real interesting model that other clubs might be able to replicate.
0: Yeah, it'd be great if they did. And I think somebody really needs to look at how that model works up there in Townsville because maybe that's a model that can work to assist in expanding the league. Uh, I think so, There's,
1: absolutely.
3: Yeah. Or if, you know, a few more adults want to make um, signs for players.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> It sounds so silly, but honestly, I really think you're onto something like trying to advocate for more adults and, you know, to make awesome, signs. Baby. From a
3: psychological perspective, they did this study in Ireland of female sports, uh, you know, athlete, female athletes. Their strength improved by up to 8% and their effort on the court or the field improved by up to
0: 7%. After a little hiccup where we lost Em and Brandt, but not for long, we continued discussing fantastic fan art, how to mainstream it, to feed the appetite fans have and grow awareness of the league we love. Now, I... I- and I'll make no secret of this, I think the designs you're coming up with would be great on T-shirts and I'm sure, you know, that fans would pick them up because it's unique. It shows that you are a Caps fan in a very unique way and the other thing is that hopefully it'll start other people wanting to try and do the same sort of thing, not only, you know, for different players, say, at, at the Caps, but also at different clubs. Because, and it's no great secret, the merchandising within the WNBL is not great. And this is something that Jacinta and I have have had conversations about as well in the past. But seriously, this is the sort of thing that somebody walking down, I don't know, walking through Civic sees a T-shirt with bunts on it and, and oh, what's that?
3: Exactly. And I think um, you and I had mentioned on Twitter, not the... Jaws bunts, but the previous one when it was um, Bear the Brunt, which obviously not as good as, uh, you know, on a the shirt they were catchy slogan, but the idea of um, if one person, you know, sees it or a kid is like, you know, saw it on the, because I think it got on, you know, one of the TV stream or whatever and and was like, oh, mum, who's bunts? Or, you know, oh, you know, who's this? And if one kid was like, who is this? And finds out and is then inspired to whatever, you know, go after something or, or hustle a bit harder or whatever, then that is fantastic. And if we can get, I guess, walking billboards or, pr- or promotions, then yeah. And obviously, I mean, as I mentioned, I did put quite a bit of work into that so if we can, you know, extend the life. And and Bunce, I think, enjoyed it. So, yeah.
1: I think that is the biggest challenge yeah. though, Paul, what you're talking about is the merchandising for the WMBL. Like I've got a Jade Melbourne jersey that I've ordered and it sort of didn't come you know, it had holes in the the number, which so I'm getting that sort of sorted. But it's just the options as well. There's no sort of like personalization outside of of jerseys. It's sort of like, you know, you can get a hoodie or you can get tracksuit pants or a shirt. And it's not something that I think sort of extends. You know, you could have like, you know, even like a heroes range. I think of one of my friends who's like a mad caps fan, Lily Pedvin, and she actually started drawing players across the league. And, and sort of creating this sort of fan art that's a little bit different. Um, she did like Kelly Wilson for her 400th, but I think for her it was just sort of a release and something that she started because, you know, outside of that, you don't know, if you don't follow this league, you don't know the players. I mean, you can see the, the names on the jerseys. Actually being able to physically see these players and have them them drawn into an artwork and be able to see that artwork is quite amazing. and. I think it's been quite receptive of the players across the league. It started with her sort of drawing Loz Nicholson and Steph Reed from The Flames and it's sort of just grown from there and it was even to the point where, you know, those players were in isolation <laughs> due to COVID and she's, you know, shouting them coffee. So it's like a friendship thing that's, that started just purely from her just creating the artwork.
3: Which goes back to that point you were saying, Paul, about the players and the teams and the league more generally being more approachable, less this kind of, you know, barrier between the players and the fans, there is this sense of belonging and community. And there's certainly an appetite, I think, for merch, like, you Know, I would be kitted out with everything if it was available. Like, take my money, let me sell a kidney, please. I have three
1: dollars <laughs> to take it, <laughs>
3: but yeah. So, I think that it's obviously presenting an opportunity for. for are you it.
1: trying to say something? No, not an
3: opportunity for kidney sales, for more like for my own. This post, are you gonna have your own line? Is that what you're saying? Oh, who knows? It's Bunts King, you know, I'll do it.
0: Well. Look, to be really honest, the technology's out there for clubs and people to be able to do print on demand, okay? It can be done. It's not expensive. You know, there's Redbubble. There's a whole bunch of others like that. There are people who will print on T-shirts at real low runs for quite reasonable prices as well. So this is the sort of thing that I think needs to be explored by the clubs, by the fans. You know, to be able to try and get that wider expansion, uh, you know, people who know nothing about the WNBL, who's Bunce? That's a really interesting look and design on this T-shirt. I want to know more about it. This is the stuff that needs to be done. You know, up until now, it's really just a club singlet with, you know, customization of a name if need be. Exactly. It's like you you Um, take
3: what you're given, which is pretty limited range.
1: And it's also it also yeah. sort of I guess hamstrings people and and fans because you know not everyone has eighty dollars to be able to sling for a jersey. If you make you know shirts yeah. more accessible to people, and I think I look at like the WWE, and I know that it's really commercial. You know, they have dolls etc. of of wrestlers, but the biggest thing is the personalization of the stars of the game and the wrestling is that they have them on t-shirts it is huge
3: exactly and I would said to Bunce when I was floating this idea of would you be okay with that Jaws Bunce design on a t-shirt and you know possibly several people walking around with that and she loved it but and I was also kind of like oh it's good like you know it can be a bit of a sous or some merch for Opal when she grows up and she can be like you know, you can say to her, Oh, this was when mummy was becoming a cult hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it could be the start of the series, but yeah, I, I like the idea of something that's a yeah. bit um unique and novel and, and obviously has me a lot of meaning for me and then hopefully her, and then you know, get more people aboard. There is plenty of room on the Bunts bandwagon, I like to say.
1: <laughs> You're the driver, on yeah, the bus.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but see, this is the thing. I mean, actually, just the other day, I was looking at the merch site for one of the NFL clubs, and they do some really interesting stuff. You can get the merch customized with your name and your number, right? So you can pick the number that you want there. They'll put your name on it, and you can just order it online, and you can actually see how it's going to look online. Okay, guys, this stuff is not hard. You know, and this is what I, I really believe the league needs to kind of look at. It's like this stuff is not hard. The technology exists, the NFL is doing it. Yes, they probably paid a billion dollars to get it done, but now it's been done. So now that somebody knows, has seen what they do, surely we can do that. Yeah, there's some logistics behind it, but this is how you engage the fans. I mean, I know Jacinto was saying the, the, I think it was today, the new Opals gear is unavailable. Mm.
2: Yeah, so we—it was yeah—it's actually on Twitter again today. Um, Honestly, the amount of time I've been spending on Twitter, which I initially used to hate, uh, would people would think I don't have a job. But but we were talking today. uh, Someone posted the first of all the picture of the new Opals jerseys that they're going to be playing in uh, for this qualifying tournament, which I also learned on Twitter is QT. Anyway, learning a lot today. But uh, we were kind of thinking we love these green, like pure green and gold jerseys, really classic, like uh, kind of a bit old school design. And it's like, where can we buy them? Well, you can't. I mean, I own a pair of Boomer shorts from when I saw them play Team USA in Melbourne in 2019. I, I don't own any Opal stuff. Um, And then we were also talking as well about, again, it was Lily. So Brent, I'm really glad that you gave Lily a shout out because I was planning to because she's a good friend of the podcast as well. But it came up again on Twitter today about, when we want to buy WNBA jerseys of our Australian players, like I would love a New York Liberty jersey for Sammy Whitcomb, Beck Allen, the equality version, but uh, the WNBA store doesn't ship to Australia. I, I know. You've got I, to actually, get it by I got
3: a Liz Cambage one when she was playing for the Aces and I actually had to wait until a hmm. friend of mine was visiting her partner who lives in Kansas and I could get it shipped to her and then she brought it back to me. Like there's a lot of yeah, a lot of rig yeah. and roll
0: for that
2: jersey, but there
0: is that okay. appetite there. People now, want it. Yeah, and I
2: don't guys, want to pay $200 from Rebels.
0: Sure. Okay. Now, next time you guys want to get something from the US and if they are not, if it doesn't get shipped to Australia, there actually is a service where you can get it shipped to somebody in the US. They give you an, an address, a US address, then it costs you like 10 bucks a month. They'll ship the gear there, so they'll hold it until they get a package of stuff big enough to make you know for the shipping to be uh economical and then they'll ship the whole lot to you. So you've actually got a US address. So if you need that to get any of that cool. any of that work. I think it's, it's still right. madness That's...
1: it's still madness though, isn't it? Like it just it's like another oh, barrier for women's sport. Ooh. And I, I remember the the anger when the Matilda's jersey wasn't being sold. Or you couldn't get it in yep. a certain size or you can get like, it in a
3: women's size I yeah, think. You like couldn't you can get, get it, the women's strip in a women's size. Yeah,
1: I think it was being sold in in men's yeah. sizes or something. It was very very bizarre. But it's it's just that sort of barrier again. Mm. And yeah, I mean this is our national team um that is going and playing and yeah. I mean we're in a World Cup year. You know, the World Cup's World Cup's going to be held and we can't yes. even get the the strip of our, our home team, you know, I think that says a lot about the frustrations. I mean, I mean, as you guys would remember, we're only... I mean, this is, like, the first year I can remember where I can actually actively watch every single game without having to worry about, like, an internet stream. I remember you guys were doing, like, you know, the streams for the, the Flames, and that was how you got access to the games. Otherwise, you had to follow the box score. And I would religiously, like... Watch the box score, and you'd be watching it go up. and It'd be like you know, two points for Griffin, and then it'd be like two points for Talbot, and that's how I was watching games rather than actually watching the athletes on the court and have vision. It's kind of crazy to think this is where we're at, and we're only at it now.
2: Yeah, yeah. and it's like even going back to like the types of merch available. I understand that, like you said before, Brent, a jersey is not always going to be suitable for everyone in terms of like. Uh, wearability like uh, unless I'm going to Sunday scrimmage with the boys where am I going to wear a single <laughs> like down there in a gym where no one's yeah. going to know I'm wearing a basketball single anyway but even something yeah, it can be expensive just something small like a keyring or a pair of socks like my a friend of mine I'm lucky I've still got friends in the league and they gave me a pair of WNBL socks and look, tomorrow I'm gonna to be a thirty-six year old grown ass woman and I'm still getting psyched over a pair of WMBL socks. That's all I am like,
3: just give me some socks. I am in my thirties and I'm making signs. I mean
1: <laughs> But it's like give hey. us we're not asking for it's much. like give us a retro range. Like give us, you know, the the Caps jersey from like the late two thousands, you know, the prime carry grab. Era,
3: Ooh, you know, I love a throwback. You
1: know, even bring out the bodysuit or something. Yeah. Oh, like, yes. just bring it back. <laughs> bring it back, sell it, make money. People will buy it. You're
3: like okay. a with yeah, celebration so, Smugglers or something.
0: You yeah, get like, <laughs> Hang on. Uh, listen, I was going to say, you know, Brent in a, a bodysuit, you is, know. I
3: mean, he's like a trail runner, so <laughs> it's kind of like, like an Iron Man trisuit.
1: Shit, like the half-bought <laughs> shot or something with Kathy. Just potential, I think. <laughs>
0: But you know, to me, it's a no-brainer, and I think to every, to all of us, this is a no-brainer. The league should be encouraging people to do this. They should be saying, you know, what we've got to have a a contest where we're going to have the best fan art of the round. Encourage people to do it. Now, I'm going to age myself a little bit here. I remember when back in the day when the Kings first moved to the entertainment centre, they used to have competitions where they'd get who's the best-dressed kid, who's the best-dressed fan, and you get adults out there as well, <laughs> right? And, you know, they'd be up there, they'd be promoting people who had the signs.
3: Exactly, absolutely. Where's They're this gone? Involved? And, you know, we haven't quite, well, I personally haven't um, gone with the uh, blue and black or blue, black and gold face paint yet, but I'm open to it, you know. Uh, I also liked uh, there was this idea I like working out of the gym and I was like, all right, when I get my six-pack back, I could write like numbers on my tummy and then pull my shirt up to like a, a PG-13 level and be like, Caps, you can count on me. Get it? Get it?
1: <laughs> but it's, even, it's even that sort of thing, but I think it's like, I don't know whether it's like a lack of resources from Basketball Australia themselves or whether, you know, like I would have no idea who's behind the social media of the WNBL, like whether it's a team or whether it's one person or, or how it, how and it, it operates. And it's on
3: social media. It's even something as small for me as when they do the updates of quarter time or whatever or it'll be like, you know, Bunt's got the 21 points or whatever and it's a photo of Griff. It's just something really small. <laughs> And I think I was actually watching the, or like I was down by the lake for New Year's Eve and I was it was after that game that the Caps had won and I was talking to Bumps and I was like, I, you know, was trying to follow the score and there were no updates on social media and stuff. And I'm like, it seems like we really want to love and get behind them, but at, at points that seem relatively easy to kind of help us, there are just these barriers that are unfortunate. And while that presents some opportunities, whether it is, you know, your pod or you know the signs or this you know run of t-shirts that I'm going to do or whatever it's presenting opportunities but in a way it's disappointing that we have to look for those avenues that they're not I guess we're not already there yeah
2: yeah and to me like um I mean sometimes I get on my high horse as well about you know gender equality in sports but it's even like you said before the accessibility to merch the accessibility to as well for myself broadcasting Like the broadcasting that we have on where, you know, the current streaming platform where we can watch WNBL games regularly. I mean, it was only like round 10, which was last week, where we had a halftime show. Yeah. But every other time, it's, oh, it's halftime. We're going to put up a blank screen, but thanks for your $25 a month for subscription. And here's what we're going to offer you. Fine. I'll go do my dishes, but (laughs) listen.
0: Yeah. Listen. I don't
2: want to do them. (laughs) I'd rather yeah, look, listen look. to Laurie Chisick.
0: Yeah, listen, doing the dishes, even going and having one of those sort of lu- strangely lukewarm hot dogs that they have at most stadiums is better than doing the dishes at half time. All
3: right, here's an idea. Exactly. <laughs> <Bunch> dish gloves.
0: <laughs> she'll, she'll clean your
1: dishes like she cleans the boards. But it's, I think that's the, I think that's the point, though, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, those – people who are commentating and i appreciate there's been sort of like a wide variety of different people and you know former players have come in and added expert comment and i don't know whether they're being paid for that or whatever but i think the biggest thing is it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're watching a broadcast and you have that expectation that there's going to be comment at quarter time there's going to be comment at half time and you're going to have that three quarter time because you know I think half time is that that main point as well and you know we're not getting you know interviews you know it'd be great to have you know I'd even put my hand up and I'll, I'll go sit on the sideline if they need someone to get comment from you know games here in Canberra you know I think we've only had Megan Huskway. It's the only one who's been able to get on a sideline anywhere and I don't know if that's like a, a covid thing but you know like I'm a WNBL accredited journalist surely if you need someone, you call out to your contacts mm-hmm. across it's, the country.
0: I, I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm more than happy for someone to correct me. But I believe it's like the televised games that go to ABC, which are the ones that that Megan Huswaite doing commentary on the the sideline, are produced by Fox, and the rest are being produced by I think it's Sen. I could be wrong, but they've got somebody else is doing the production on that. So there's a differential in what's going in the budget available for putting the, the broadcast together. There's a whole bunch of stuff. The really simple stuff is you want to get the league known out there to do that, and let's face it, it's becoming really crowded at this time of year now. You've got AFLW, you've got NRLW, you've got the WNBL, and there's also the, the A-League Women's yeah. as well. You've now got a lot more traffic. Fighting for eyeballs and broadcast time, which starts to make things, you know, really difficult. So you've got to find more unique ways to engage with the fan base. Yeah, I absolutely right? agree. Merch is a great. I absolutely
1: one. agree. And if and if you don't put the time and time and effort into it, considering you know the money that's now being paid for, you know, tens putting into the the A League and the and the A League Women's and the production that goes into that, you know. As I was saying before, it's like crazy to think we are in 2022 and we're only getting like all the games live to broadcast now. You know, this is a league that last year celebrated its 40th anniversary. And, you know, I remember talking to to Caps players who, you know, were playing sort of late 90s and even they were saying, you know, like Kelly Abrams was sort of saying to me, you know, when she first started, it's like you were getting paid, you know, $20, $30 a game to play. And we're going back, you know, yeah. two decades. You know, these are players that, you know, were winning championships at the end of, like, the 2000s. And when they first started, you know, they had to have a, another job just to even come into the, the league and, and support themselves. And, you know, this involved trips to, to Perth, to Adelaide. It's crazy to think we're still fighting to even just watch games. We're in our 41st year as a league here in Australia.
0: Yeah, look, there's there's a lot of issues that need to be looked at. Uh, And the first one is, I believe, if you engage with your audience, if you've got a strong vocal audience, the rest will come because the audience will want to go. And I get, you know, and I'm not having to go at the NBL here, but I get that you know, the NBL's turned itself around and it's done it by trying to become more NBA. I don't think that's necessarily going to work for the WNBL. I believe that that's a different audience. And as a result, what you need to do is engage with the audience and then if you want to get to that, fine, but then you've got to bring them along for the journey. Yeah. And be aware if they turn around and they start telling you, "No, we don't want to go on this journey," you better listen. I to think
1: them. that's the best thing about WmBL fans is that they're not afraid to voice their opinion. You know, if you look on the wmbl twenty two hashtag on Twitter, there is a lot of people who sort of voice their opinions, who are very passionate from different parts of the country about this league and get frustrated sometimes, I think at the the way I think the league sometimes perceives fans want to consume this game here in Australia. Um, you know, like we are us for probably, you know, more of the the passionate side of it. And, you know, we're having these conversations and these strong conversations because we love the game. You know, we love watching the best, you know, ballers in this country go up against, you know, the best ballers from, from other states and territories. That's, exactly.
2: We just want other people to feel how we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I th- and I think for us, you know, between the four of us, and I'm sure the other people who share our uh, similar concerns and grievances as the four of us do, that we we all interact with on Twitter and socials, is that we see the value in the WNBL and the the value in the talent we have, the the caliber of the league, the history of the league. Like we all see the value and have invested in it, and we're going to stick around and be invested in it. But my interpretation or um, kind of like how I'm seeing the WNBL as as a systemic body is that they don't see the same value that we do in the thing that they're supposed to be providing to us. Um, yeah. For me, I feel like it needs to be in, in any kind of setting. I mean, I work in health and even in my, like my workplace setting, the culture changes and the standard of values and the standard of professionalism, Um, and expectation needs to come from the top and trickle its way down. And I feel like in our sense of the WNBL, it's the other way around.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, you know, now that there's a new head of WNBL, Christy Collier-Hill, who was from the Melbourne Boomers, and, and we've had Christy on the show, and I know from having spoken to her on a couple of occasions, she's very definitely got that mindset. You know, the Melbourne Boomers, I think, are one of those clubs that have really tried to do that whole fan engagement. They've tried different things. So I'm glad that she's got that role because I think she's going to be able to bring that mindset to the WNBL. That being said, that's a big ship to turn around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So so long as I think, you know, opinions like ours keep getting out there, it'll try to help to make her job that much easier.
2: See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know if, I don't feel like... It's a huge ship to turn around because even just between the four of us, we've already come up with some really simple things that could be implemented to make a big impact. I think the biggest barrier for the WMBL to turn around is the WMBL itself. They're their own worst enemy. You know, I can just kind of imagine someone like Christy going in with a bunch of ideas similar to ours or otherwise, and perhaps being faced with the internal barriers of, no, we're not going to do it for whatever reason. That's that's my fear. That's see, I think in itself. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic or uh, naive.
0: Well, we'll hold that thought. We'll keep an eye on this, and I know that you know we'll try and get Christy on the show once the season's over because she's only just gotten into the job, and we'll see what happens. Now, guys, just before we do wrap this up, and really, this has been a lot of fun. It really yeah, has. Kind
2: of yeah.
0: um, we have a habit of asking some oddball questions <laughs> when we get to the back end of it. So, I'm going to ask you guys which comedy duo from movies do you guys think you most relate to?
3: Um, can I say we're not dating, like we're just really good mates, but I kind of feel like either. Do you know remember that movie Knocked Up? Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Although they obviously end up together.
1: Oh, it's suddenly 40, like Paul Rudd, and I'm trying to think who the the other are there
3: is there like younger people that we Yeah, do that?
1: or maybe Rose Byrne and um Seth Rogan out of like bad neighbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're kind of like, yeah. you know, like kind of <laughs> like the old young people. Yeah,
3: and like one is like really like famous and looking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're kind of, it's a weird friendship in in many ways. Cause it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, like sometimes we'll just speak in like sport language. Yeah,
3: or like finish each other's sentences.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. To, to it.
3: Um, can I also just quickly say that, um, Paul, you mentioned earlier about the Bunce Jaws T-shirts and, Bunce is on board with having her that design on a bunch of T-shirts and also we're just going to do a limited print run initially and with the proceeds, um, like follow your socials and our socials and the proceeds are going to go to a charity of Bunce's choosing, which she's going to come back to me with. But I right. think let's put her out there in the world on, on some – quality t-shirts and some quality cotton and also some money to a worthy cause so double the fun and double the bunts
0: awesome okay folks so you've heard it keep an eye out on socials and as soon as you see it we want you to start buying those t-shirts
3: and if anyone has any more sign slogans hit me up
0: all right so guys, thanks so much. It's been lots of fun. Thank you. Really, awesome. it's been great. Even taking into account the oddball technical glitches we had as well.
1: <laughs> it just adds to the fun of it all. It's a
3: pandemic. It's unprecedented. It does.
0: <laughs> thanks so much guys, and uh we will definitely get in touch with you guys again soon.
3: Thanks for having
1: us. Thanks for having us, and we'll see you at the game with signs.
3: Hopefully lots of signs. For Barnes or for whoever. As okay.
1: long as they're caps.
3: Melbourne.
0: Baby go. Bye. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.